0: thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives.
1: Welcome to Speak Up and Engage, bringing next generation health, wellness, inspiration and empowerment to the youth of today. A spectacular collaboration between the Sunshine Coast Council and SpiritHive.org.
2: Welcome to Speak Up and Engage, the next generation of wellness for youth right across Australia. I'm Laura Pettigrew. I'm Bridget Kelly. And I'm Toby Bogart. And today we are talking about all things health and the food we eat. And we've also got Cindy O'Meara, the founder of Changing Habits, here today to help us answer some really big questions. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Laura.
3: Hi, Bridget. Hi, Toby.
2: Hi. (laughs) So, health and food is such a huge thing. And I was wondering, could you just tell us a little bit about changing habits firstly?
3: Yeah, changing habits started um, many years ago when I first got out of university and I was consulting as a nutritionist. And I was teaching people to change habits. And I realized that I was telling everybody the same thing, you know, to change their breakfast, to change, um, you know, the the milk that they drank, the breads that they ate, the, the quality of the food. And so I decided instead of telling everybody to do it, that I would write a book about it. So I wrote the book Changing Habits, Changing Lives back in the early 90s, probably before any of you were born. Um, and then basically it turned into a business that is based on that book. We, we find foods that are based on the book. We do programs and protocols and we do education programs.
2: Yeah. So nice. That's what
3: Finding Habits is all about.
2: It's actually really funny you um, mention your book, Cindy, because I went home the other day after um, listening to you at the wellness base camp and I found your book that you just spoke about in our um, bookcase and it was actually written the year I was born and I started reading it and I'm loving it.
3: <laughs> I'm so glad. That's that's cool that the book hasn't been taken to the second-hand shop, but it's remained there for 20 years. So that's wonderful news.
2: Yeah, it was really funny. I mentioned to my mum that I had um, listened to you speak and she said, oh, my goodness, I have her book that I read years and years ago. Um, so, I, yeah, got it out and I've got it right next to me now. <laughs>
3: uh, wonderful. Not and
2: um, with, I guess, you were mentioning, you know, diet and everything like that. And, um, a huge part of our demographic is, you know, we have so many different diets at the moment. Um, there, I read an article earlier this week that said there is an average of 400,000 to 500,000 vegans nationwide. So it's definitely, um, a, I guess increasing topic in Australia. And, um, I guess what, my question is, and sorry, I should say that I really appreciate all the benefits that all these numerous different um, diets have, such as you know vegan, vegan um, paleo, all those sort of diets. You know, they can, you know, in decrease. Sorry, greenhouse gases. They can um, stop the in like bad treatment of animals. Um, however, in saying that, I sometimes question how healthy some of these diets are, and I would love yeah. to get your opinion on it because I know that one of my family members was a vegetarian for a numerous number of years and she actually has serious health issues um, from it. So I was wondering, firstly, what is your opinion on all these different diets and how can we do it healthily? Yeah. Look, there
3: are extreme diets out there at the moment. So there's all the way from the vegan diet to the carnivore diet, which is you eat meat and eggs. And these extremes... I I do not believe uh, are good for our health or the planet. So I, I just think we need to look at a holistic view of this. So number one, the people, number two, the animals, and number three, we also have to look at the health of the planet. So let's look at the, the vegan diet. Now, remembering that everything that I do, I look at an, an historical perspective. I look at... Yeah. What happened to our ancestors? How did they survive to get to this point right now? Because in the 1960s, long before you guys were born, 2% of the population had a chronic disease. We're now 2019 and the latest statistics which came out last year from the Australian Bureau of Statistics showed that between 38 and 48% of children under the age of 60 17 have one or more chronic diseases. Wow. wow. Exactly. So something has happened. Something is wrong. Is it the vegan diet? Is it the carnivore diet? Is it any of those diets? No, I don't think it is. What I think it is is that there's a general um degrading of the quality of our foods and the nutrients in our food. And then when someone goes onto a vegan diet, they eat fake meat and fake cheese, not all But many people think it's okay. Now, if you have a look at the ingredients of those foods, they're not real food. They're all things made in a chemical laboratory, things our ancestors would never have eaten. The same will go for if you go to another extreme diet, um, and let's say it's the the carnivore diet, and let's say people can't afford the organic, grass-fed, regenerative farms, cattle, Um, or any of the wild meats out there, and they can't afford the organic pasture-fed eggs. So they too are going to be consuming foods that are not necessarily healthy. And then everything in between. And if we look at the everything in between, which is the SAD diet, the standard Australian diet, we also see people going to the grocery store and buying packaged foods with dubious ingredients that are not conducive to health. So that's, that's a sum up of... Diets in their extreme as well as diets in the middle. So I believe that no matter what diet you do, quality is very important, number one. Holism, the whole food is important, number two. Um, And number three is looking at the historical perspective of how our ancestors ate. And I can tell you now that there was no vegan ancestors. There were vegetarians then the vegetarians lived on the equator. They didn't live in the extremes of the world as far as the Antarctic, the the deserts or the um, high altitude, but they lived at at, um, sea level and they lived on the equator. And it was light that enabled them not to eat meat. But the further those Hindus went north, the more they had to eat meat in order to survive. So it was all about survival, guys. This is what it was about. It was all about survival and and adaptation. In this day and age, there are more people dying from overeating than undereating. So we've got to kind of look at that perspective and we've got to look at what's happening. And I guess if I was going to take it one step further, our agricultural principles and our agriculture And how we are doing agriculture is also to blame for the chronic disease that we're now seeing, as well as the belief that a pill will make us better. So we've got diet here, we've got agriculture, and we've got the medical system of diagnosis and treat with a a pill. And, And my opinion with pills is that we will never, ever get rid of the drug problem we have in the streets until we get rid of the drug problem we have in the home.
4: Yeah. Um, I know you do a lot of research on the use of poisons in our foods and I was just wondering how how do we uh, get to avoiding avoiding
3: those foods? Okay. Look, there's two ways, Toby, that we can do this. So the first one is that we can look at where we're sourcing our food from. So if we're sourcing our food from a grocery store Um, fresh food let's say fruits and vegetables and meats and eggs and nuts and seeds all of those I'm not talking about packaged foods I'm talking about if we're sourcing those foods from a, a grocery store we actually don't know the farmer we don't know how many miles that food has traveled we don't know what chemicals have been put on it so the first thing we do is that we start to source our fresh foods from our local market and when we're sourcing those foods from our local market we we want to talk to the people that are selling it to us. Are they the farmer? What are their farming principles? Do they use chemicals? Um, Or are they spray-free? I don't care if they're not organic because certification of organic isn't everything you think it is. But if it's a farmer who cares about his land and his animals and his his soil, you know you have a farmer that is growing nutrient-dense foods. So that's the first way. And the second way is when we go into the grocery store and we're, we're not, you know, skirting the out, outer skirts of it, which is your meat and your fruits and your vegetables and your dairy and things like that, but we're going in between the aisles now. And in between the aisles you'll see breakfast cereals and cookies and chips and cakes and um, spreads and muesli and bars and, and all of these things. And the idea here is to read the ingredients on the package and notice that a lot of it's not real anymore. A lot of it's based on fillers or um, acidity regulators or flavours or colours, whether they're natural or artificial, they're still the same. So there are two ways that we can get rid of the chemicals that are causing autoimmune diseases and ill health in our children, our teenagers and all the way through to our elderly. Number one, source your fresh foods from um, a reputable source in a local area and number two, make sure you read your ingredients if you're going to buy any packaged foods whatsoever and and I'm not saying you can't eat these foods. Let's look at a bag of chips. A bag of chips can have 25 ingredients which includes flavours, acidity regulators, colours, fillers, thickness. Um, and then potato, or you can f- find a potato chip out there that's got potatoes, olive oil and salt. Yeah. So you look at those two and you go, well, of course I'm going to take that one over this one, you know, I, and I'm, I've got my hands in front of me and I should be saying that, but the olive oil one over the 25-ingredient one, you know, so it, it is about being, you know, really strict on this. And any of the listeners who are at home right now, they can actually go into their pantry right now and start reading their ingredients and decide whether they want to eat the foods that either they've bought or their flatmates bought or their parents have bought. So it's a it's a really good place to start. You don't have to go to the grocery store. You can just start in your pantry. And then slowly but surely you do pantry swaps. So if you've got a salt that's got an anti-caking agent in it uh, and it's iodized with potassium iodate, and it has a whitener in it. Then you'll go. Well, let me find a salt that's not refined, a salt that's got more than just sodium chloride. And you can do that with all your pantry items—from sugar to cereals to the chips to jams, everything. So there are always better alternatives out there. Does that yep. answer your question, Toby?
4: Yeah, yeah, it does. And then I'm um, also sort of—I know—at um, the moment, Mum has started washing out apples in apple cider vinegar, and so what are some ways if we're worried that chemicals have been sprayed on our veggies, veggies and fruit, how, how do we get that off if we've already bought it and we want to sort of remove that, those chemicals away?
3: Well, there are some vegetables that, just, um, that are sprayed and it might be just on the skin. But more often than not, it's gone all the way through to the food. So what happens is there are two types. Let's talk about herbicides. So there are two types of herbicides. There's herbicides that are contact or herbicide. So if there's a high tide, and we all live on the Sunshine Coast, so if there's a high tide and it comes up over, um, let's say, the levee bank and there's grass on that levee bank and it covers the grass, you will notice the grass dies. That is called a contact um, herbicide. So it's just the salt that has not allowed that Um, grass to grow because it's too saline. It doesn't change its biochemical processes. It doesn't change what's happening in the plant. It's just what we call a contact herbicide. And then there's the biochemical herbicides. So a biochemical herbicide, and an example of that is is Roundup, which has the active ingredient glyphosate. And in Australia, there are 596 registered products with this active ingredient glyphosate. So this is being sprayed on wheat, other grains, legumes and 70 other foods either on, around or near. So what this herbicide does is that it actually changes the biochemistry of the plant. Now whether it's a weed or whether it's a food that we eat, it still changes the biochemistry. And the way it does that is it stops... Amazing amounts of nutrients being taken up by the plant, number one. Number two, it stops the really important amino acids that produce our neurotransmitters, which make us think happy thoughts, have good sleep, um, make our nervous system work. And our nervous system, it runs throughout our body, from the brain to the spinal cord, all the way to your little fingers. It um, stops the transport of iron, so we, we're losing out on iron. It stops something called coenzyme Qs. So everyone knows coenzyme Q10, but there are other enzymes called coenzyme Qs. So you cannot wash this off. It's not possible. It's done. It, there's no waiting period. It has done its damage, and the damage is to the nutrients in the food. So when you consume it, not only have you got residuals of this chemical glyphosate, But you also have the aftermath um, of what has happened to the food where the nutrients are lacking badly. So it's a a double-edged sword. And glyphosate um, not only takes minerals out of the food, but it's also a patented. So patented means there's um, an intellectual intellectual, um, property on it. People make money from selling it. Um, it has an intellectual property that it is a broad-spectrum antibiotic. Now, that's not an, the specific antibiotic you get when you have an infection. This means it wipes out all the good bugs and the bad bugs. It's just... Well, in actual fact, some of the bad bugs are resistant to it, which is incredible.
0: Yeah. Um, Cindy, I also have a quick question for you. Just going back to the to like reading our ingredients that are in our packaged food and and all that sort of stuff. I know after going to the base camp um, on the Sunshine Coast, I went home and I read a few ingredients on the back of my food and I went around to like when I went for my weekly shop, I looked at some stuff and nearly everything, even the organic stuff, I was like, oh, wow, like I don't even know what some of this stuff is and I was was really confused. I did the same thing. Yeah, and like. (laughs) But I don't really know what a lot of the words mean. So I'm like, are they good? Are they bad? Do you have any tips on like how to know what things mean or like, yeah.
3: (laughs) Well, I'm impressed first of all that you listened to me and you did that. I'm so happy that I created action because it's all very well and good knowing this information. But if you do not act on it, then it's not going to get you anywhere. So congratulations, um, that you've done this. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I just love this. So I have a rule of thumb. If it doesn't look like a food or it doesn't sound like a food, um, as far as, you know, when you're reading it, then it's not a food. So if you read, let's say, carrots, um, oh, let, me, let me think, let me, let me do hummus. Okay, so sometimes hummus can be made with chickpeas, olive oil, tahini, salt and lemon. Mm-hmm. So you all know what those five ingredients are, don't you? Yeah. yeah yeah but then a hummus can also be made with chickpeas, tahini, acidity regulator, uh, thickness, color, natural flavoring, um, stabilizer, so these words you will see behind maybe the first two ingredients, so these you don't even know how these um, chemicals are being made and it makes food cheap. So if you want to make a cheap food, don't make it with food, make it with chemicals. That's the only way you're going to do it. And so manufacturers know this. They know if they put good quality ingredients in that they're going to have to charge more. If they just put the fillers and the thickness and the colours and the flavours with a couple of real foods, they don't have to, you know, it doesn't cost them as much and they can make a, a bigger profit margin. And believe me, I've spoken to food manufacturers and I've said to them, why aren't you changing? And they said, because of our, our margins. Mm-hmm. It's not about the health of people. It's about their margins. It's mm, so, so sad. It is. It's really sad. And I have, I've really gotten to the point where I do know a few brands that I trust, but for the most part, I make everything from scratch. Like I've always learned to cook. You know, I'm from, I'm a 60s baby. So we didn't have McDonald's. We didn't have Kentucky Fried Chicken. My mother made everything from scratch. We went to school and, you know, I went to an all-girls school. I learned home ec, typing, um, shorthand, all the practical things, you know, um, sewing. (laughs) So all the practical things I was taught. And, you know, this day and age, they're not teaching these really important skills that are life-changing. So I find that I cook. I cook everything. And my girls do too. Like I I have um, three children, one boy, two girls, but three of them cook from scratch. They do not buy packaged foods. And I hate to say it, but this is where we're going to have to go to. We have to get back into the kitchen to feed and nourish ourselves in order to heal this nation. It's Mm -hmm. not going to happen with a pill. It's not going to happen with packaged food. It's not going to happen with exercise. We have to be mindful of the choices that we are making, not only for the health of ourselves, but the health of animals and the health of the planet. And by choosing to be activists, by choosing to eat foods that are from regenerative farming, which means no chemicals being sprayed, the cattle, the sheep, The animals are treated with absolute dignity. They fertilise the land and in turn we treat them with dignity. Um, And then the plants grow on that fertilised land that the animals have done um, their fertilisation on. It's it's incredible how it works. And then those plants are nutritious and we're healthy. So I am 59. I have never taken an antibiotic. Wow, uh, that's crazy. You know, I've never taken any medication. My, chil- my children are 30, 28, and 25, and they too have never had a medication. Really? Because of the lifestyle we lead. And, and people have to realize that pills um, are definitely needed for, like I have a type 1 diabetic cousin. He has to have insulin. I have hemophiliac uncles. They have to have blood transfusions and factor eight. I have, you know, family members that must have medications to help them survive. But we've become a pill-popping society and we've forgotten that food is the thing or food is one of the things that help us be incredibly healthy. Yeah. Um, I've
4: got to ask... um, should people be taking supplements? Because you talk about um, how food is probably the best thing, but can we get the
3: same thing out of supplements? Good question, Toby. Excellent question because most people think that supplements are from food, but supplements are grown in a laboratory. So think about food. Food is produced for us by photosynthesis. So photosynthesis means the sun interacts with chlorophyll in the plant which then in turn creates more leaves fruits grass for the cows to eat um, food for the chickens to eat like it's all about sunlight and when you look at what produces your energy factor in your body sunlight is so important for that energy factor so you're consuming a, a, a supplement, let's say, and that supplement has been made from the paper pulp industry, a genetically modified um, microorganism on a genetically modified substrate in a dark room in a laboratory, isolated, without all of the synchronicity of the macronutrients and other micronutrients, macronutrients meaning fats, carbohydrates and proteins micronutrients being vitamins minerals antioxidants phytoestrogens and all of the most amazing things that help our body um, be what it is so when you're eating a supplement you're consuming something that a human has looked down the barrel of a microscope and said oh That little tiny biochemical reaction needs coenzyme Q10. Perhaps if I make synthetically coenzyme Q10 and give it to the human, then that biochemical reaction will work. But think about your human body. Think about the millions of biochemical reactions that are happening. If you give a coenzyme Q10, what is happening around your body that could be interacting in the wrong ways because you've isolated this coenzyme Q10. And by the way, coenzyme Qs are made by your gut bacteria. So if you're eating the right foods and you're feeding the gut bacteria and you're not decimating it with antibiotics or glyphosate, then you will make your own coenzyme Q and the body knows exactly what to do with it. So in times of emergency, I have no problem with supplements. But in times of just it's about your health, eat good quality foods, eat nutrient-dense foods, and the body knows exactly what to do with those nutrients that are within those nutrient-dense foods. And, you know, there are supplements out there that claim to be uh, food supplements, um, and there are some that I agree with. So um, one of the, the ones that I'm seeing at the moment is that there a lot of people won't eat liver, and liver is a really important part of the human diet because of the amazing micronutrients that are within the liver. So there are some supplements out there that are ca- encapsulated and they're liver. They're just liver, or they're just kidney, or they're just thyroid, or they're just thymus. I I do believe that there is a place for these, um, and especially people with thyroid problems. And there's a lot of people with thyroid problems. So I do believe that there is a place for these, but. I also feel that once you start to get well, then these types of supplements need to be uh, either reduced or you eat the real thing.
2: Yeah. yeah, And it's, it's actually a really good message for all our listeners because I know that people in our demographic are using a lot of supplements like, you know, you see it all over Instagram, people promoting these protein supplements and things like that. And I do always wonder, you know, what's actually in those and do they actually pose any benefits?
3: Yeah, good. Another good question. So protein supplements. Mm. So most of the protein supplements will either be vegan-based or animal-based. Uh, and in order to create a protein that's a concentrate and isolate or a hydrolysate, which if, you, if people are listening and they're taking protein powders, go to your protein powder right now. Have a look. What's its source? Is it an animal source or a plant source? Is it a concentrate an isolate or a hydrolysate? Does it have other excipients with it? Is there flavours? Is there an artificial sweetener? Is there a colour? Is there a filler? Is there a stabiliser? And, and it might not say stabiliser. It might say uh, like celery powder. It might say rosemary extract. These are trickery by the food companies um, for you to think you're eating something that's natural but may not be. And then they'll put um, fake vitamins and minerals in it. Well, they're the fake vitamins and mine minerals. So if you are having a protein supplement and you're a male and it's soya-based, then I would throw it out immediately. If yeah. you're um, taking whey powders, then you have to realise if it's instantised, which means if you put a teaspoon in water and, and you just do it, give it a little jig, it immediately dissolves it will have genetically modified organelles in there from soya as well as canola. Uh, If you are, let's say, pea protein, um, legumes have anti-nutrients in it. If those anti-nutrients have not been um, taken out, they can um, create a problem. If you're taking a rice sprout, usually that's probably one of the better ones as well as the Inca Inchi. So that's a seed where they just take the oil out and you're left with a, a, a very bland-tasting, horrible-flavoured... It's actually not horrible-flavoured. It's got no flavour. But the thing is, is that they all taste like that. It's only when they add the flavours and the sweeteners and the colours that it looks better, you know. It's, it's only when they add that. It makes people drink it. Otherwise, they wouldn't eat it. It's, te- it's terrible. So your best ways to getting protein are definitely your nuts and seeds, animal sources, um, eggs. You can also get amino acids, which are the building blocks of proteins from fruits and vegetables. And if there are any people out there that are vegan or contemplating being vegan, I want them to really consider that most people survive strictly on vegan, a vegan diet for six years then they start to have health problems. Yeah. So for me, the vegan diet is a great clean-out. And for me, plants feed the microbiome, animals feed you. So your microbiome needs to be fed, but you need to be fed as also. Um, I, I'm, I, for young teenagers, especially women and men, actually boys as well, I, I don't know why I say especially girls, I just worry about them because of their fertility.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but it's the same with boys. I do not recommend the vegan diet at all. Um, I, I might consider the vegetarian diet um, with eggs and fish for our teenagers but you can do some serious health damage. And the reason I know this is that I I was one of those teenagers. At 13, I chose to be a vegetarian. And between the ages of 13 and 29, I ate no meat, no fish, no chicken. I ate eggs. I did eat eggs, but that was it. And and, uh, I ate them occasionally. And in that time, I had no cycle. Um, I gained weight. I had stiffness. I couldn't grow my hair, my skin was dry, my hair was dry. Now, I can only see this in hindsight. Mm. I couldn't see it when it was happening. I thought it was other things. So I, thank goodness I wasn't a vegan. I can't imagine what would have happened in that time if I had been a vegan. Mm-hmm. And I see with, with people, especially younger women and men who, be, who become vegans, I see them, um, I see their brains change. Because without omega-3s, plant-based omega-3s, without DHA, without protein, the brain starts to shut down. Um, And and I don't know if you want to, like I can go into this, but I've actually written about this in one of my books that will be released and it's called The Healthy Keto Diet. And it talks about how plants make you stay, don't give you adventure, um, you don't want to move too far, You become quite insular and there's a really good reason for that. It's not a bad reason if you don't stay on them. It's a good reason. And animals make you adventurous, um, get you out there, get you thinking um, good thoughts. And and the reason is is that plants don't move. So you want to be insular. You want to stay in one place. You don't want to be adventurous, especially if plants are the only thing you can eat. Animals move. You need to be adventurous. This is looking at our hunter gatherer. You need to be adventurous. you need to move. you need to be on on the on your game so you're not eaten by that animal it's so crazy. it's just incredible when people realize that, and it's all very well and good to say "I'm going to save animals, but if you can't save yourself and you're not healthy, then you're never going to be able to save the animals,
2: yeah. yeah. That's such a good way to look at it, you know, just going back to basics and just, yeah, I find it so interesting. Um, I have a little question. And just going
0: back to, you know, buying your foods and, you know, you talk about going to the farmer's markets and, um, you know, getting the best produce and all that sort of stuff. But for like people our age who might buy their own food and we're on a low budget and, all that sort of stuff, it, it, it's kind of hard sometimes to, you know, buy the best produce because it's that much more expensive. So what's your advice for us? Yeah, grow your own.
3: There's a good start. Yeah. So the end of February this year I bought $75 worth of seedlings. We're now nearly November and I'm still eating all the food from my really?
0: garden. Really? Wow. What seeds did you buy?
3: A lettuce, a kale, an onion, um a tomato a oh God, i've got so much stuff any herbs um a sweet potato cucumber um since then so you can grow your own that's number one number two um sorry i'm just gonna cut
4: you off there real- is it hard to grow your own veggies oh, and herbs no no
3: it's so easy like i'll tell you how easy it is toby so Collect all your mother's scraps of food when she's cooked. Everything from the, not cooked, make sure it's raw. So from the tomato that she might have thrown away to the pumpkin seeds that she's not going to cook to the cucumber seeds to all of those things, collect it all. Dig a hole in your garden, throw everything in that hole in the garden, cover it and do it through the summer and have a look what happens. I have pumpkins, papaya grow out of those things. Wow. And tomatoes. Oh, my gosh. It's incredible. So that's how hard it is. But if you want to <laughs> yeah, really learn how to do this properly, then um, I would go to your local gardening shop. I would talk to the seedling man and I would say to him, what's in season? Um, I've only got $20 to spend. Uh, what will grow? What good soil should I put it in? So that, you know, you can learn by just going to the seedling man. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that, that works a treat too. The other thing I wanted to tell you was that when you start to eat nutrient-dense foods, you eat less and less. You will find that your food consumption goes down dramatically because you're not hungry anymore. You maintain a beautiful weight. Your skin is perfect. You go into up and you go through using um, sugars and ketones. So it is not actually more expensive because you eat far less. Because we're so used to eating four wheat Weet-Bix with a whole bunch of milk. And the Iron Man, what do they eat? A whole box of, of wheat bix with expensive <laughs> milk. They add sugar to it. And then an hour and a half later, they're hungry. So they've got to go and buy a muffin or they eat crackers and cheese. And then at lunch, they'll eat heaps of food. They might buy a hamburger or something like that. And then they're starving by the time they get to dinner because they're not got any nutrients in these foods. So they might eat a pizza. So for me, I get up in the morning and I may or may not eat. Depends on whether I'm hungry or not. And when I do get hungry, I will eat a high-density food. And it could be eggs. It could be cater, which is coconut, almond, date, and apple. It could be a smoothie. And then sometimes I don't even feel like eating until 2, 3 in the the afternoon. I may have my lunch with me, which is salad that I picked from my garden, sweet potato that I picked from the garden that's now roasted, um, some cucumbers and tomatoes that I picked from my garden, and a chicken that I have purchased. And I need around 60 grams. Of cooked chicken, really? and then I'll make some mayonnaise with my eggs. You can have chickens in your garden and make your own eggs, make up your own mayonnaise, pour that on top, and you're just about done for the day. Um, if you are hungry at night, then by all means have some meat and vegetables. But we eat way too much food in this um, on this yeah. on this island in this nation of Australia. We eat way too much, and when you eat nutrient dense foods, your body doesn't crave food. It tells you when to eat and not to eat. You're not wanting sugary foods and it's, it's incredible. Yeah. So, you know, Toby, you being a growing boy, you will eat more because your body will demand it. has noticed that. <laughs> you have to listen to your body and you will probably eat more. Whereas um, as we get older in, in our uh, fertile times, especially women, uh, we may eat more because, you know, we're preparing to have babies. So there's a need to eat more. And that's a whole new story. Um, why we do that. It, it is incredible what the body does. And then as our fertility wanes, so if there's any people that are where their fertility is leaving them, then the needs are not there anymore. And you eat less and less and less and less food. And I don't Go oh! Every time I eat a chocolate cake, I put on you know. weight, people go really upset. I can't eat that amount of calories. And I and I go, isn't that great? Isn't that cool that your body is able to survive on less energy, more nutrients, and be the healthiest version of you that it can possibly be? We really have it yeah. back to yeah. front. We want to eat more and more and more food. We should be able to eat two and a half thousand calories, but. No, you eat what your body needs, you know. It's more mm. efficient. Yeah, it's more efficient and it changes from babyhood where you're drinking breast milk to toddlers eating smashed up food to when you start to eat properly to fertility time to non-fertility time. And as you get older, you go back to baby food. <laughs> 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 that's a your teeth, guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, um, oh, sorry, Toby, oh, you can go.
4: Um, I guess we've been talking about a lot about what we shouldn't be eating, but I've got to ask, what for young people in particular, what are essential foods
3: that we need to have in our diet? Look, I'm a variety girl. I think that eating seasonally and with variety is really important. So if I was to just do it generalised, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, herbs, spices... Legumes, grains, um, meat, red, white meat, fish, uh, eggs. So there's your scope of food that you should be consuming. But what it should be is it should be prepared properly. So legumes and grains should never be eaten raw. They should always be soaked and cooked. If you are going to eat them that would be slightly raw, they must be fermented. So that's we make bread that way. So to me you have a whole scope that you can eat, but you won't eat that all in one day. You will decide, you know, what you want, what's making you feel good. What do you feel like today? Do you feel like a bit of eggs on toast? Making sure the toast doesn't have 30 ingredients but five ingredients. Making sure you don't put margarine on it but you put butter on it making sure you don't put Vegemite on it, but you put, um, there's a new spread out that tastes exactly like Vegemite that hasn't got the flavours and the crap that Vegemite's got in it. Um, let me take you to my pantry. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going on a field trip? Yeah, <laughs> I'm on a field trip even though it's audio. Um, okay, it's called Every Mite, the Allergy Friendly Super Spread. And it's made, let me read the ingredients for you. It's made with organic black sesame seeds, organic certified coconut amino sauces, which is made by Nui Life. And I know the owners of Nui Life. It's made, it's got um, coconut nectar, sun-dried mineral-rich sea salt, uh, water, um, and apple cider vinegar. Yeah, there you go.
2: Wow. So
3: that, instead of Vegemite, if you go read the ingredients of Vegemite, nearly every pantry in Australia has Vegemite in it, yeah. the it will not have that. And I can tell you this tastes like Vegemite. It is yummy. <laughs> it does. So all of a sudden you've got a beautiful toast with butter, the every mite, not the Vegemite, the every mite, and two beautiful eggs. And and that's an incredible breakfast. Yeah. And then your yeah. the lunches, if you're taking them to school or um to work you know they're not hard They can be last night's leftovers
4: yeah i yeah. take last night's leftovers yeah. i even um i've started making up this asian dressing i make up out of just Ooh. a few basic like stuff like garlic and gingers and all that and then i put a bit of soy sauce mix it all up throw it in shake it up at school and then i've got the best best lunch ever
2: wow <laughs> such a good idea so um, just before we finish up, Cindy, I was wondering what would be your top three tips for our listeners?
3: Uh, number one, change your lifestyle. Don't stay in bed late. Get up, watch the sunrise, get the sun on your tummy. Um, know that sunshine is very important, not only for the food that you're eating, but for your mitochondria. So see the sun. That would be number one. And, and get up early. Do exercise, whether it be walking on the beach, swimming in the water, um, paddling, running. I don't care what it is. Just get up and see that sunrise and um, get the best part of the day. That would be number one. Number two, get your sleep because sleep is so very important because it sets up the digestive tract, number one, to be ready to release um, pancreatic enzymes from the pancreas, bile from the, the gallbladder, so the circadian, there's a circadian rhythm in every one of your cells and every organ in the body and every system in the body. And if you are not living by your circadian rhythms, then you are disturbing digestive system, you're disturbing the heart, your nervous system and everything. So sleep is number two. And number three is food. And we've done a heap of talk about food, so I don't need to go into what needs. To be done.
2: <laughs> so sunshine, sleep, food. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been so great chatting with you and we would love to have you back on again soon because I think you have so much advice to give to our our listeners and us. I've learned so much. Yeah, me um, too. <laughs> but in the meantime, um where can our listeners find more information about changing habits and and you? Just go to
3: changinghabits.com.au. And I'm on Instagram at Changing Habits, I'm on Facebook at Changing Habits, I'm on Twitter at Changing Habits, and um, I also have a, an education academy. So it's called The Nutrition Academy, um, and you can find that on changinghabits.com.au as well. So. Go and look at becoming educated because education to me is one of the most important things when it comes to what should we be eating and what should we be doing for the best health for ourselves and future generations.
2: Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much. I'm sure I know I learnt plenty, so I'm sure everyone else has as well.
3: Yeah. Thank you.
2: No problem. I'm Laurie Pettigrew. Live more, worry less. I'm Bridget Kelly. Keep smiling.
4: And I'm Toby Burgart. Until next time, don't count the days, make
1: the days count. You've been listening to Speak Up and Engage, the next generation in wellness. To follow our podcasters, head on over to allthews.facebook.com forward slash speakupengage. You can also go to allthews.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash speakupengage. To find out more about the Sunshine Coast Council, go to allthews.sunshinecoast.qld.gov.au. And to find out more about Spirit Hive and how Spirit Hive is bringing empowerment and inspiration to the youth and the communities local to you, go to spirithive.org. We're going to see you here same time next week. Thanks for tuning in.